Welcome to So You Want to Be a Witch, the podcast for soul-centered entrepreneurs and the people who love them. Welcome back to So You Want to Be a Witch. I am your host, Sarah M. Chapel, and we are going to close out this year with a year in review episode. This isn't going to be too long. We're just going to dip our toes into some of the, the good, the bad, and the ugly uh, that we learned over here in 2020. I'm going to be speaking pretty explicitly just about business and personal stuff because I think we're going to get a lot of really great year-end recaps that speak more eloquently than I will about the pandemic, the uprisings, the election, and how all of that has influenced business and life in general. And of course, we've talked about that throughout the year. It is an influence, but I'm just defining the scope of our conversation today. (sighs) I'm recording this in between um, days of my membership workshop. And, you know, it's been super fun to dive in and do these workshops. And that's really actually one of the good things I'm going to start with is that we spent most of this year, or say I spent most of this year, very focused on only two existing products. And this is a massive shift for me in my business. Focus, I think, would be my word for 2020. And if I had to pick a word, I didn't pick a word, but that's going to be my summary word. (laughs) And it's a big transition point that I'd heard about from mentors and teachers, and I think I've spoken about here, where in general, folks can get to a certain revenue level in their business by employing what I call the spaghetti method. (laughs) I'm working on better names for this, but if I don't come up with anything better... HBA people, you will be hearing these terms inside of the of the academy because I've been thinking a lot about these these ways of approaching business. The spaghetti model is what it sounds like. You throw a bunch of spaghetti against the wall and see what sticks. I have found that to be super useful in my business, especially as someone who is multi-passionate, who has a lot of different things that they enjoy, that a lot of different things that they're good at, a lot of different ways that they envision impacting the world, which I think is true for a lot of you as well. The spaghetti method lets us try things, see what we enjoy, see what people actually buy. And the good side of that is we get a lot of feedback and we get to explore and test until we find what hits and what sticks. The challenge, though, is that we often end up with businesses that have like 50 million different offers in them. (laughs) And at some point in your business growth, depending on the kind of business you want, but if you want a business that's scalable, which we've talked about at length in other episodes, but a business that essentially is no longer solely dependent on you, then most folks are going to need to focus. I'm always kind of, you know, hesitant to to make absolutes, but we found this to be very true. A big benefit that I gave myself this year was focus. I didn't actually create any new products at all until June when I created the Scalable Offer Workshop. And then we didn't do anything new again until this month, um, until December with my membership workshop. Everything else that we sold this year was an iteration of an existing product. So why is this important? First of all, it means that we actually gave ourselves the space to focus and hone in and refine things. It's coming up in our membership workshop right now as well because memberships in particular require refinement, especially the selling of them, getting consistent sales, reaching new audiences, refining your message and refining the customer experience. It's not really something that you can do slapdash effectively for very long. And when I committed last December, a year ago, December 2019, to the Holistic Business Academy as my primary product, I knew we would be honing in and refining and that that would be much of the work that I would be doing for the foreseeable future. It is still the work that I'm doing. That coupled with my incubator program, which we refined and reiterated and have tested a bunch of different ways this year, 
gave me something that I'd never had before, which was stability. It's kind of shocking, right? But by being stable in our offers, these are the ways that you work with Sarah. These are the things you buy from Sarah. This is the way that you can be supported by Sarah. Meant that people started asking about those things. <laughs> the messaging was so much more simple. Hey, when is the incubator reopening? Hey, when is this thing happening? Hey, when is that thing happening? All right, to be clear, I do need to insert that, of course, my colleague and, and biz bestie and witch wife, Ren Zatapak, and I did create a new program this year, Craft Your Biz. But for our purposes, I'm not going to really include that in what we're talking about here because that's a collaboration. And um, while it is part of my business, I kind of view it a little bit separately, right? For, for my business, Sarah M. Chapel, whatever, <laughs> Team Chapel Life, we have two primary products and it's all we have sold for almost a year. So that was really good. It gave me the opportunity to test and refine and it built up a, an amount of market recognition, for lack of a better term, that I'd never had before. It made it easy for people to ask questions, easy for people to know what was coming next. At some point, there will be another incubator. At some point, you know, HBA will reopen. And that these two things together cycle through to open up um, or to kind of create like a really clear understanding of how to work with me. And with that good, um, we're not officially at the end of the year, so it's going to be hard for me to give you my, my total final revenue. Um, but we're going to expect to be at probably 190000 for the year. Uh, my goal was two hundred, and I decided not to relaunch the incubator this fall, which is pretty much why we didn't hit that. You know, some of you might recall that last year I also didn't hit my goal. We were short by about $20,000. It seems to be kind of a theme, ten dollars to $20,000 short. And it really was because of how I was feeling. I, last year I was tired. I was having a ton of lung infections. Um which is pretty common for me. I actually have not had a major lung infection this fall. I don't know how it happened. I'm so grateful. I am, have been having a lot of sinus infections, but like I haven't had the deep lung infection that really just, it just it usually knocks me out a couple times a year and we haven't had one yet. So knock on wood um, for that because that's, that's pretty debilitating. Turns out breathing is important. It's like life is an allergic asthmatic. It's one of the big things that I've learned. So we, we aren't probably going to hit our goal, but I'm generally fine with not hitting goals if I know why I'm not hitting it, right? If I'm making a conscious decision not to take the actions that will lead to the goal. And that was another conscious choice this year. We decided not to relaunch the incubator. We had done it four or five, six times now. I can't keep track. I have notes somewhere. I'm not, I'm not great at those kinds of detail things, as you guys know. I'm much more of like a big picture metacognition kind of person. But we did that. And, you know, ultimately, I haven't still figured out how I want it to run. We've tried a bunch of different stuff. We've explored a lot of different things. We've continued to get great results for our customers. But some piece of it is still missing for me. Like, and it's something that takes up a lot of my time when we run it. It's, it's, a, it's basically a full-time job when we run it. It's a lot of work. And I need to figure out how to do that in a way where I'm super stoked to keep showing up. So we didn't run it. So we're not going to hit our revenue goals. And, like, that's totally okay. Um, and I, I want to continue to normalize not hitting goals, especially if we're aware of why we're not hitting them, whether there's usually there's a metric or a data point or a decision that has prevented us from hitting that goal. And if we're aware of that, then that's a completely different experience than just being like, oh my God, I didn't hit my goals. Everything sucks. Like you got to give yourself the space to actually look at it saying, well, if I didn't take the actions that would lead to that result, if I didn't launch the program that would have generated the revenue to hit that goal, then it's reasonable that I'm not hitting that goal. I didn't do the, I didn't do my part towards that goal, right? So we're not, but we have more than doubled year over year, and that is pretty exciting. In any in any space that isn't the online business space, that would be a huge fucking deal. Um, 
this goes kind of under the bed and the ugly we'll talk about a little bit this year, but you know, I definitely have run into some comparisonitis in terms of the business growth speed. People whose primary products are a lot more expensive than mine grow a lot faster. It's a lot easier. We talked about this in the pricing lesson uh, episode a few weeks ago. It's a lot easier to make more money faster if your prices are higher. Um, my core product is under $100 a month. So that means that, you know, my, my growth trajectory is a little bit different than, than folks if, you, if your core product is over that um, or quite a bit over than that. Um, the other good thing here, which was super excited, is that we actually hit these goals um, with me phasing out working with one-on-one clients as a primary revenue source. Um, it was a super funny thing where I opened up my books again to the wait list and it wasn't a right fit for anyone on the wait list. I think this was like October. I was planning on bringing on more people, or bringing on at least one or two. I usually only work with a couple people at a time anyway, and it wasn't a good fit. And I love it when that happens because I was really ready not to. Not that I, I do love one-on-one work. Um, I'm excited to work with a handful of folks in the new year, people who are, um, you know, who I can really help, who I'm a good fit for. And <laughs> it was so sweet. It was like one of those great moments where I was like, all right, it, it's not happening. It's not happening. And that gave me so much freedom. Um, one of my big goals had been to make one-on-one work, not something that I was financially dependent on because of the energetic requirements of it, especially the way that I do it. When you work with me one-on-one, you're basically renting a piece of my brain. Um, I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not someone who like shows up like just for a call and then forgets about you in between. I'm usually working on, working on all sorts of stuff in my brain for you. So it's a big energetic output. And with my my mental and physical health, it's just, it's hard. It's hard to do. So that was another really awesome thing this year is that we've shifted out of that being a primary revenue source. And that, that, that's been true since um, probably early spring is when we stopped taking, I stopped taking a full kind of one-on-one client load. And that's been a really, really awesome. The last part of that good with that, I want to pick up on that focus bit is that I am... I focused so hard on those things that then I had the opportunity to make new stuff. And that might sound a little bit kind of backwards, like, well, you can make new stuff anytime. But it was through reiterating HBA, through reiterating the incubator, that I started getting excited about doing these one-off workshops. I don't know how often we're going to do them. We did uh, three this year, two scalable offer workshops and the membership workshop that I'm doing this weekend. But it's been really fun. It's felt more more low-key for me and my my health. It's great because there isn't follow-up. It's it's we get in, we get out. It's a really intense weekend, but then it's done. And there's it's just been like a fun playground to get to share more of the stuff that I know in in an intensive way, but in a way that is is really providing a lot of value. And I think I wouldn't have been able to to get to that place of providing these workshops if I hadn't let myself really focus on refining my skills and my methodology over the year. So there's a bit of a push and a pull in that kind of multi-passionate space of so often we don't give ourselves a space to actually really develop our skills in this particular area because there's so many cool things to do. Like I really reckon, I really resonate with that. But by over the past year, closing my product line, cutting down on one-on-one work, stopping doing readings, stopping teaching tarot, like really just like kind of like hotly for a lot of different reasons, letting things go. Let me get to a place with my business coaching and business strategy skills where I can now play in a new way. I can kind of create things in a new way that's super fun. So I think that's been really good. And I invite you guys to kind of check in with yourself. You know, what is the focus you want for next year? You know, if you were going to pick one or two products to go all in on, what would that look like? 
because especially if you are at a place, these, you know, these numbers are always kind of arbitrary, but let's say you're trying to kind of hit that six figure mark, if that's a goal of yours, or simply to create a business where you don't have to be the only person doing things all the time. Um, that level of focus is really helpful because that's when you can start to train people or to create systems or processes because things are repeatable instead of having like 50 different offers that all have a different sales funnel, all have a different strategy, all have different content. It becomes a lot easier to, to minimize kind of the busy work um, because there's repetition and automation that can be put into place. So regardless of your revenue goals, I think that that, that was just a really big gift for us this year. Um, I think the, uh, the bad for us this year, you know, we definitely had some team turnover and that was really challenging. Um, learning to hire and learning to manage people has been a big, big challenge of mine this year. And that was, that was a little frustrating to try to figure out. I'm not sure we have it totally figured out. Like I'm not going to sit here and be like, I'm a master hirer now. I don't think that's true, <laughs> but learning how to do team, how to grow and scale, how to find people who can really support the company um, and how to really create a culture of like excellence that isn't abusive. is like my big kind of ongoing question. Like how do we hold ourselves responsible and accountable without being punitive or, or but like having healthy boundaries? It's been a whole thing. And I'd say like, I don't want to say this is like, like bad, like we've done a bad job, but it's been, it's been one of the more challenging things this year. And it's not something that I think I've really solved you know, we'll move into this more with the ugly, but I think the comparisonitis comes up here for me too, in that a lot of folks who have businesses of my size probably have less help than I do. Um, and it's really becoming very popular now in a way that I think is kind of interesting to hear folks, you know, it used to be all hire, 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 and now you're hearing like hire, but don't hire too many people because you're eating into your profit margin. So you should be able to have a really lean team. Um, those are the things that I hear in online business land. I hope, I hope for all y'all's sake that most of you are not hanging out in that space because <laughs> it's just, it's really depressing. But I've been thinking a lot about how my need for a bigger team is, first of all, like, but that's actually okay. You know, I think it becomes a bit of a shame point for me that I'm not able to work as much as maybe some other people can. So I, I feel like I should be doing more myself, Ugh, right? But you know, if you are if you are someone who has you know illness or or mental health issues or disability, like or has like other responsibilities, like, you might need a bigger team than someone else on the internet who doesn't. Um, and I think I find myself increasingly comparing myself to business owners who don't have the the health issues that I do, and recognizing that like for me having a team is is always going to be part of us being a little bit bigger. You know, even though I could theoretically, time-wise, probably do everything that needs to be done in the business, I wouldn't survive it. So recognizing that, like, this kind of challenge of team growth and learning how to do that is also, is just a reality of, of being someone who, who lives in a body and a brain that don't always work. So that's been kind of one of our big lessons for the year is, or mine, is, is figuring that out. And I don't think I have. I don't really know what it's going to look like moving forward that we have awesome folks who work with us right now. And I'm super grateful. Um, but especially as the company grows, there's like a whole new level of challenges that are coming up that I haven't solved yet. So I'm putting that under the bad category and not like in a judgy way, just like this is, this was not my favorite thing this year. <laughs> Overall, we had some highs and some lows and that, you know, recognizing how dependent my ability 
to have successful and sustainable businesses on other people is also a really interesting opportunity to start to kind of deprogram and shift some of the stories around self-reliance that are probably not really helpful. So I also wanted to talk about the ugly this year because I feel like people like year in review stuff is usually like, things are so great. You know, I... <laughs> A lot of stuff really sucked this year, not just because of, of our world. You know, we had folks steal from us this year and have these really weird conversations um, that were very like gaslighting. Uh, and, and I don't, and I mean that in a more clinical way. I understand that word is being overused, but um, people stealing from me and then basically being like, no, I didn't. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> like, no, you're wrong. Um, not just conflict. And, you know, having kind of that, those experiences of people really trying to turn things around on me. And, and I've, I think that one of my big takeaways from this year really is how challenging it is to have nuanced conversation online um, and how we make so much meaning out of internet behavior in a way that is, um, is not really true. So having folks steal was kind of weird um, or copy me. I don't really believe that, I don't really believe in originality and that gives me a lot of kind of soothing. I, I know that there's a lot of people I've learned from and you know who I'm, I'm very grateful for, have credited, have compensated for that learning. Um, but you know, having folks kind of almost act like they should be allowed to do that because they're a student of mine or something was really interesting. So, or tell me that I was just wrong, <laughs> even though even though some of it was word for word. Um, so that was kind of ugly this year. And especially the fact that like, it was really hard to facilitate space to actually have conversations, you know, that didn't turn into victim blaming or didn't turn into, yeah, this, this weird, I mean, maybe it's not gaslighting denial. Maybe that's the word I want. This weird denial thing where it's like, no, I didn't. You're wrong. What are you talking about? That's not true. And I was like, okay. Um, and like part and parcel with that. And this came up in our membership conversation this weekend too is just the way that people think they can talk to other humans on the internet. You know, I'm not saying anything revolutionary here, but we've had, you know, as we've grown, um, the customer support things, things I get in my DMs, it's definitely become more fraught. Um, everything from stuff that's just kind of minor, like boundary things where people want a lot of, um, a lot of attention in a way that is, is really not appropriate for the relationship that we have. Sometimes that's business related where, where folks want kind of, I think, a level of access to me that is, that is not proportionate to the investment they make in our business is not something that I offer. I mean, really, that's what it is. It's not really about the investment. It's like, no, this is not, you can't buy this. <laughs> I don't do this. Um, and really getting to work on the boundaries there. I think there's a second piece of it too, where there's an overfamiliarity that occurs on the internet. And um, I think I, I mean, in this context, I most recently at least heard this from Africa Brooke, um, who who talks about that and her kind of boundaries for her Instagram space, is there's a weird overfamiliarity. And um, as much as I do feel like we are a community and you all know a lot about me, especially those of you that listen to the show, for the vast majority of us, like, we aren't friends. <laughs> like, you don't actually know me and I don't actually know you. And I think that there's there's a real beauty in acquaintances. Like I really value having a wide network of acquaintances, people who we can collaborate and support each other. And, you know, it, that, like, I'm totally, that sounds great. But uh, there is a, an interesting shift where it goes over the line from acquaintanceship and kind of like, oh, your dog is cute 
to people talking to me as if they know me or making assumptions about me, um, about, you know, about my mental health, about my diagnoses, about my health in general. Y'all, don't, don't do that. <laughs> don't, don't, please don't do that for anybody. Like unsolicited advice is over familiarity and is inappropriate and often dangerous. And I think that's been just, I mean, I guess this is really a boundaries thing, but like the ugly this year has just been like the, the assault on my boundaries. And, you know, the way that people talk to us in email sometimes, that's just not just me, like people are talking to my team that way, like my team are opening up their emails. And like, you know, and some of it's really like, it's, it's abusive. It's, it's really shocking how people speak. And a lot of times, you know, I can understand where it comes from, there's fear, there's shame, there's self doubt there. It's, you know, I get it. Um, but being on the receiving end of vitriol from strangers is challenging. And, you know, the idea that a lot of it, a lot of these interactions kind of make a lot of assumptions about who I am, about the level of familiarity that we have, about, um, yeah, and I, I don't really know what that means moving forward, but it is something that I'm really thinking about um, as we move into 2021, is what do those boundaries look like? Uh, you know, a lot of folks don't respond to their DMs, you know, and I've thought about, I've thought about that, even though I find direct messaging to be one of my favorite ways to interact with folks. Um, it's a very effective selling tool. And I actually do like having like conversations about y'all's dogs. Like that makes me very happy. (laughs) That fills me with joy. Um, but it's, it's, it's a challenging balance and I'm not really sure what it's going to look like because I've been trying to navigate it from a kind of middle ground place. And ultimately what happens is, is that people take advantage, whether they recognize it or not. And that's on me. My, my therapist keeps telling me that be- boundaries are a behavior. <laughs> I was like, Ugh. so I need to get more clear on that this year, but with the folks kind of, with folks stealing, with folks or copying, with folks, um, kind of frankly being like extremely inappropriate people, crossing kind of boundaries in terms of what I'm available to do or not do. Um, you know, all of that is is just something that I need to figure out. And I'd say overall this year, I did really poorly with it. Uh, as we've grown, that, that's become a bigger issue, which I knew it would. I think, I think I probably hung on longer than a lot of people because I do actually really like, like having interpersonal interactions with people through my computer screen. And I know a lot of my peers and colleagues have already set up really strong boundaries around that. But yeah, and I think like, I don't, I don't want to close out the year being like, none of us are friends, but it is, it is impossible online to know what level of relationship you have with someone unless you have talked about it. And I think I feel that in a couple couple ways as well, like in, in the reverse, where there's folks who I thought I had good relationships with, and then I was like, oh, that's interesting. I guess I guess we we have a different relationship than I thought we did. And I'm just noticing the the very natural human need to to kind of categorize and understand, and how that bumps up against something like Instagram or Facebook or even email, um, to make it really, especially for folks like me who maybe have a bit of a harder time with boundaries in general, um, due to kind of my empathy, my empathy load. Um, yeah, that, that, that's just was not my favorite thing this year. <laughs> not at all. Um, and just like a gentle reminder as we're in the holiday season, um, like be nice to people, like 
like we like we we tend to operate assuming that people mean the worst and that's just generally not true especially for small business owners um like really small business owners generally that's that's not the case uh being treated like we're the evil empire having people lie having people lie to like credit card companies like just weird shit and you're like okay like i i don't know um it's just another layer and <laughs> sometimes i sit here and i'm like I don't want to like discourage y'all from growing your businesses, but there is something it's important to know that that's really going to shift. Um, and I think that kind of the final thing that was really hard for me this year, coming back to what worked well this year was focus. It is challenging to do deep work, deep, creative and um, iterative and cross discipline work with the constant noise of social media. And I haven't yet figured out how to be on it less while still effectively selling and supporting our members and, and getting more people into our community. And I, I putting this under the ugly because, you know, I don't actually want to give up social media. I'm not somebody who wants to like never go on Instagram again. If you are like, I hate Instagram, I hate Facebook, I don't want to be there, that's great. I kind of hate them, but I also like them and want to be there. But I think it's been really important for me to see this year how being in those spaces hijacks my brain and prevents me from accessing my own powerful ability to synthesize, synthesize information and create new ideas. And I have a lot of colleagues and friends, some of you probably listening, who have taken off massive amounts of time from social media this year. And the business model as it stands, that, that's been a little hard for me to do. So I'm, I'm curious to kind of explore that moving forward. Um, you know, I don't, I don't post all the time. I'm not on social media every day actively, but there, there is an element of, of its addictive, its addictive quality coupled with the support messages that I keep getting in my DMs. Please don't do that. We have great email support. <laughs> we get back to you within 24 hours during the week. <laughs> um, that, it's been hard for me to step away. There, there's a FOMO. There's a fear that I'm going to upset customers. There's a, yeah. And, and I think that's been a real underlying thing this whole year has been this fear, right? And that, and having your fears realized, having people that you thought you had good relationships with, you know, copy you like, and then deny it and then blow it up in your face. Like, you know, or, or, or places where like you aren't able to have actual conversations. Like some of my worst fears have become realized this year. Um, and that's been just like kind of, kind of, Jenny. So <laughs> I'm kind of closing this out this year in a funny way. I'm about to take off uh, more than a week of work. I'm very excited. And my team is taking off uh, for the holiday days as well. And I think I'm really just ending the year with this feeling of clarity that, um, you know, I'm, I talked about this a little bit in our last episode, that like making a certain amount of money really doesn't fix you after a certain point. And that while we're, I still intend for us to grow, I've got some big, exciting goals for next year. I'm super excited. How I want to live my life matters far more than how much money we're making. And that's something that I, that tension ran through this entire year, uh, both in terms of what I'm capable of, my, my health throughout the year, no deep lung infections aside, has not been great. Never is. <laughs> um, I have some new health issues emerging, which is always super fun. And I also don't want to spend all my time working on my business. 
And as someone who's very intrinsically motivated and competitive, my business has been a very awesome place for me to be engaged and excited for years now. And that's shifting. That's really shifting. I'm, I'm really curious about non-business things. Um, I have some book ideas. I have a lot of studies I'm working on. I am continuing to learn to play chess. And I want more space for that. So all the work that I've put in up till now to create a scalable business is going to really come to the test next year when I try to figure out what can only I do in my business and what can other people do or can we automate so we can continue to provide amazing support and service to our customers without me being the linchpin so that I can also do other things. And I'm really excited to explore that. So that's a bit of our, our good, our bad, our ugly from 2020. I hope that it provides some insight into kind of how I'm assessing and thinking about things behind the scenes. And if there's kind of one takeaway from this I want to kind of give to you is that, you know, the revenue amount, even though I mean, like, I'm not going to lie, like, I'm pretty stoked whether we end up hitting that 200K mark or not. Um, that's awesome. But the qualitative experience of the business this year, it didn't meet my expectations. And that matters to me more than the money. Uh, also, keep in mind, that's revenue, not profit. Revenue, not profit, not the same thing. <laughs> this was a very expensive year. <laughs> we spent a lot of money to get there. Um, so just putting that one in. Um, but the qualitative experience of my business this year overall was not something that I enjoyed. And even though I've had more freedom, more flexibility, more resources, more help than ever. And I think that's my takeaway for you is to remember that the qualitative experience of your business matters, uh, regardless of how much money you're making. And maybe you can ask yourself some of the questions that I'm asking now and kind of catch yourself before you get to a place where your DMs and inbox becomes unmanageable, where your time stops becoming your own, where you start crossing your own boundaries out of fear and ask, what do I really want to be doing and how do I want to do it? All right, y'all. I hope you have a great holiday season if you're celebrating or just enjoy, you know, the next next couple of weeks while everyone else is celebrating. So maybe your inbox will be nice and quiet <laughs> and I will talk to you later. Bye for now.